Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life, who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned, we're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Our guest this week is J.R. Vazane. JR is a pro cowboy who rides bucking horses. Now, as many of you know, and for those who don't know, September 22nd, while competing at a rodeo in Pasadena, Texas, JR had a bucking horse flip over and land on top of him. As a result, JR broke his back and suffered a pretty substantial spinal cord injury, causing a loss of feeling and motor skills from the waist down. I am happy to say that JR is on the mend and doing extremely well. JR is an amazing human being. And in this episode, there is so much value in his story. He briefly discusses his upbringing, and it's easy to understand why JR is such a fighter. There are so many life lessons that JR discusses in this episode, whether it be faith, love, determination, hard work, resilience, consistency. JR broaches all of those topics and has extremely powerful perspective on all of them. Now, for those of you that regularly listen, this part of the intro is where I explain our social media and where to find us and share us and all that. But this week, I ask that you find it in your heart to look up JR's GoFundMe page and please contribute to the Vizane family and help them offset some of the costs incurred as a result of JR's injury. We have put a link in our Instagram page that will take you directly to JR's GoFundMe page or you can search it on the internet. The correct spelling of his name is JR. And his last name is V-E-Z-A-I-N. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is J.R. Vizane. J.R., how the heck you doing today? Man, I'm doing awesome. It's uh, obviously another blessed day. Live above ground, so any day above ground is a good day, man. I was going to say, you got quite the story to tell, and we'll get into a lot of that detail here in a few. But before we get rolling, I just wanted to thank you on behalf of everybody uh, here at Let Freedom Rain for taking time out of your busy schedule and and sharing your testimony and kind of giving an update of where you're at and where you're headed. I uh, I got more downtime I've ever had in my life sitting in this wheelchair, Jason, so you ain't taking up any of my busy time at all. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I know we talked a little bit last week, and um, your uh, rehabilitation schedule is not not a light schedule at all. It seems like you're you're on the go quite a bit. Yeah, I try to be. They keep me busy around here. It's been a huge blessing here at Tier Memorial Rehab in Houston, Texas. Uh, they've been great. They give me about three hours of physical therapy spread out throughout the day. And then I've was been blessed for a whole week now. They didn't cut any of my therapy time and I got added into an aquatics group. So I get a swim for an extra hour every day as well. So, And then on the weekends, they have open gym where we can go in and do whatever we want from four to six, whether it's lift or stand up or whatever we want. We can take two hours there. And yeah, man, been super blessed with uh, tons of guests and family and Time's flying by, to be honest, which is way better than the alternative of it dragging on. So, yeah, it's been really amazing, man. I know, and you are uh, and looking up some of the information of the hospital and stuff. Tier Memorial there, I mean, you are at the facility for the state of Texas and in one of the top facilities in the country, yeah? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they've been telling me since day one that I couldn't have picked a better place to get hurt at, which I now, well, at first I asked him, is that because we're in Texas or is that the truth? And they all started laughing. And But no, I think they're right. They hit her dead on, man. It, from all the research I've done, they say it's number two ranked in the nation for rehab 
Um, everybody I've talked to, Dr. Schmidt, who was my surgeon, said if they could have picked anybody to do to do surgery on them, they would have picked Dr. Schmidt. The uh, faculty's been great. We've been blessed with some amazing nurses. Um, this place is at amazing. They have probably, oh, I have probably 40 physical therapists and occupational therapists here. Um, I think there's something like 70 inpatients here. Like the gym's packed every day. People are busy walking. You see miracles in and out of here every day, man. It's been it's been amazing for sure. Absolutely. And so you ended up just at that at that hospital as a normal course of your rehabilitation. It wasn't like they had flown you in there or specifically sent you to that hospital. I can't say it's by chance, but that just ended up the first hospital that you that you ended up at, yeah. I was so I was in Pasadena, mm-hmm. which is on the outskirts of Houston. I was about 25 miles away from where I was from the hospital I went to, and um, they loaded me up in the ambulance and were going to drive me to their local hospital. And our sports med guy said, "You better be taking him to Texas Medical Center." So they swapped plans and put me on a helicopter and life flatted me to the Tier Memorial Herman Jones facility, where like the hospital itself in the Texas Medical Center. Um, I showed up there about, oh, probably it was a five minute flight. So showed up there probably about nine o'clock, I'd say they'd done a bunch of CT scans, MRIs. So right away, I guess I can tell the story. I got flipped on. The horse was bucking around there, bucked back into the chutes, flipped over on me and I caught her, you know, folded me in half. So it shoved my pelvis to my head, basically. And I felt my back break right away and my legs went numb. So since when then when the horse got up, she stomped on my guts and was stomped right in the middle of me and put me in the most excruciating pain I've ever been in my life. I thought my I thought my ribs were crushed and lungs were collapsed. So they were worried about all that. So they life flatted me over there. And since my legs weren't working, they had to go through every little piece of me, they said. So they CT scanned me, MRI'd me, x-rays, all that. Full workup, yeah. Yeah, till about three in the morning. And then they scheduled me for emergency surgery first thing the next morning. They actually got me in at 7.30 the next morning. Um, They said it'd be a six to eight hour surgery. It only ended up taking five. So I was in surgery at 7.30 and out of there by one. So yeah, uh, the team was great. They did a great job, looks like, and on the mend. I was going to say, it's been a heck of a journey the last four weeks or so for you. And we'll obviously circle back to that day there. What was it? September 22nd when that, that injury had taken place. But why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about, you know, how you got your start in rodeo and growing up in Wyoming, correct? Yep. So as long as I can remember, since I very first could even remember what I wanted to do, I wanted to do nothing but ride, train horses and uh, rodeo. That's what my uncle did, who I looked up to. I grew up in Wyoming, just south of Billings, Montana, by Cody, Wyoming. I'm not too. I'm only 50 miles from Cody. Our mom was, so I didn't grow up knowing my real dad. Mom had me when she was in college, um, and he was wild and partying and rodeoing. And she said, "I can't babysit two of you. So either grow up or grow on." And he uh, he opted to go rodeoing. So mom raised me on on her own for a while. Then she married my siblings' dad when I was two or three. And uh, that's who basically raised me. John Boggs was his name. And then they had my twin sisters and another little brother. Um, Then mom. So we all grew up in Wyoming. We moved to Cowley, the house that mom still lives at when I was nine years old. 
So I wouldn't say my uncle was my father figure. I had a father figure, but he was definitely who I looked up to. He's been my role model since I was in the Idaho Grasshopper. When when kids would when teachers would ask you what do you want to do when you grow up, and kids would say be a firefighter, or policeman, or I want to be like dad, whatever. I say I want to be just like my uncle Duncan, and he. He wrote, I remembered him riding all three rough stock and that sort of thing. So I saw I wanted to do was be a bull rider. So then I guess mom, I started early riding sheep and steers when I was a little kid. When I was 13, the dad who I called dad growing up actually ended up divorcing mom and moved to Kalispell, Montana. And then when it rains, it pours. We uh, Our house burned down the next summer. Mom raised four of us for till I was 16. She got remarried to the stepdad that I have now. But she raised all of us in a little itty-bitty apartment for a couple of years, actually. And uh, so I wanted to do nothing but rodeo still. By the time I turned 14, they wouldn't let me ride steers anymore. I still had to ride steers, but mom said I had to have a helmet and all the right safety equipment to ride bulls. So um, as I was getting all that stuff ordered... I was 14. It was my eighth grade summer. Just a local guy there said, well, heck, I can, you can borrow my gear and I can get you on a bareback horse. So we tried that. We went out to the, uh, to our broke horses, gathered a broke horse. He put the rigging on, put me on and gave me the what fours and how tos the morning of the rodeo and took me to the rodeo that night and run my hand in. I actually won like fourth and the fourth, first rodeo I ever rode at. Oh, no kidding. And it took off from there. It, uh, I was in love, man. I loved it all. So I rode, that would have been the summer of my eighth grade year. So freshman year rolled around and I started high school rodeoing and uh, riding bulls, barebacks and broncs, all three, all the way through high school, all the way through college. And as soon as I turned 18, bought my pro card and went rodeoing. The rest is history, man. That's it's all I've ever wanted to do and what I did. It's absolutely incredible, man. It's quite the story of your, of your upbringing. And and I can honestly say that you're probably one of the most mentally tough people I've ever met. Now hearing a little bit about your story, it's obviously, uh, it's obviously ingrained in you, and, and you had to fight that fight since uh, such a young age, you know? I grew up, yeah, shoot, I grew up wrestling too. Since I was little, little, four years old, I wrestled. I, that's actually what I wanted to go to college to do was be a college wrestler. I went to junior, junior worlds and regionals and nationals and schoolboy duels teams, and the only thing about the only thing I didn't go on was a cultural exchange team. And I actually, I don't have very many regrets, but if there is one, I wish I would have went on a cultural exchange team and went to a different country wrestling. But other than that, yeah, they, Dan Gable once said, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. And maybe, maybe he's got some, maybe that's a little more true than a guy thinks. I don't know. I've, uh, I relayed a lot of that to just life in general, as well as rodeo and my wrestling career taught a guy how to, how to be mentally tough, how to prepare for stuff, how to stay fit, how to work hard for something you really want. I was blessed enough to have great coaches and great wrestling partners. Wrestled all through high school, and um, I, I would have went to college to wrestle if I wouldn't have, if I hadn't started rodeo on it. I just realized you can make more money rodeo on, and it was less of a full-time job as being a college wrestler. So I rodeoed. I met my uh, so I rodeoed for a handful of years. Well, I guess the side note too, once I turned 13, I'd moved to my uncle's house and trained colts. Um, he trained a bunch of horses and started raising horses. And um, I learned how to train horses and 
that's been my my main gig i've always wanted to rodeo and and uh own my own ranch someday and, and uh race horses and sell horses so that's what i do man I, uh, it sounds like you started down that path pretty well let's circle yeah. back to the wrestling a little bit i can't say it was a regret of mine but i wish i would have wrestled growing up i played baseball and football but the wrestling guys are just they're always on a different level right as far as mental toughness and discipline and and work ethic and all that stuff can you elaborate a little bit of some of the some of the life lessons, I mean, for example, discipline, right? Let's start with discipline. What did, what did wrestling teach you or, or what have you carried through your life from your experiences in wrestling in regards to discipline? Man, there's so many, but yeah, like one example would be when I was nine years old, I had gained 10 pounds over the summer. So I went from like 60 pounds as a as an eight-year-old to wrestling 70 as a nine-year-old and i wanted to i'd only gained five pounds every summer previous to that and i was pissed right off that i gained 10 pounds over the summer i wanted to wrestle 65 instead of 70 and that was back when the uh, adkins diet was a big thing so as a nine-year-old i don't know why my mom let me but she did as a nine-year-old i'd wake up every day i'd run to our cemetery and back from the house which was, it was, uh, it would have been a four mile total. So it was two miles there, two miles back. As a nine year old, I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning, run to the cemetery and back. I'd come home from school. The uh, elementary I went to was right across the street. So instead of eating school lunch, I'd come home from school. I'd eat, eat the Atkins diet with my mom and go back to school and uh, cut five pounds that I didn't have to lose in the first place. Um, so that I could wrestle 65 instead of 70, stuff like that. I mean, you have to, it's not only do you got to show up to practice on time, but you got to be so self-dedicated and self-motivated to give the extra, the extra little work ethic that it takes to be a champion. You know what I mean? You can't just show up to practice every day and think you're going to win. There's so much other stuff that goes into it to the real champions. They're the ones that are putting in multiple hours behind closed doors that nobody else sees that I isn't just in the practice room to be to win and I realized that at a young age and I I I tried to carry that through my whole wrestling career was I always just thought that there was somebody else out there that was working harder than me so I had to keep striving and keep keep trying to be better than my competition since a very young age man it was and that's what I think is it is incredible and this is just obviously an outside perspective looking into wrestling is that with any team sport, right? Let's say you, you have a bad day. Well, your teammate's there to pick it up, right? Or let's say you're not the best, yeah. right? But there's another guy on the team that's better that might pick up your slack. With wrestling, it's it's you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have your little team titles and stuff, but none of that's that important. All you're worried about is is uh, winning the gold yourself. So Yeah. And it's your success on the mat. And, and the only person in charge of that is you. Yeah. That's why I say it relates a lot to rodeo. Other than you have little added factors in there, like can't control what horse you draw stuff like that but yeah no it's you you against the other man and uh every dog has his day and uh the work that you put in uh prior proper preparation prevents piss poor performance and that the motto i lived by was i would literally almost kill myself in training before before an event and sacrifice a lot of stuff i sacrifice sleepovers and hanging out with friends on the weekends and we would mom would drive me all over the state all over the country really growing up to i mean i sacrificed all the summer pool parties and everything 
traveling all over to different wrestling tournaments, trying to make it to nationals and stuff. You know what I mean? So, yes, sir. Um, yeah, definitely. Re- I, I relate a lot of that to, uh, to even just life in general, man, just stuff I face day to day. I have the mental toughness. I think that I built up since, since I was a little kid coming up through wrestling that probably don't even think about that. I know has, has had an impact on my life forever. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the incredible thing of it, you know, and obviously folks who are elite athletes or, or more successful than others or, or mentally uh, more tough than others, right? S- some of it I do believe is hardwired in a person's DNA, right? And you're kind of born with it. But what folks don't see as far as your mental toughness and preparation and work ethic and all that stuff is what exactly what you talked about, right? All those hours that went in behind closed doors, all those life lessons that started, you know, since five, six, seven years old, you know, this wasn't something that just a uh, uh, switch that flipped overnight, there's been a right. lot of a lot of man hours and a lot of effort put forth on your behalf and a lot of sacrifice for you to get to the point where you're at and and carry the perspective of life, you know, that you carry. It's it's truly incredible to see your strength come to light especially given the circumstances over the last 4 or 5 weeks or so. Yeah, I just uh I and now just even talking about it, you got me thinking even more about it like I learned at a young age to not take no for an answer. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. That's carrying over into right now. They, you're going to try to tell me I can never walk again. Will tell me no again. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, keep I throwing it out no, there. Say I won't and I will type of a mentality. You know what I mean? No, it's definitely a motivating factor in all of it, right? Because you see those, you first get exposed to it at a young age. And and for me growing up in baseball, I wasn't I wasn't huge, right? I wasn't tall. I'm 5'8", 170 pounds, right? And I was skinnier than heck probably till I hit college and it was just that for me growing up well you're not quite tall enough or you don't quite weigh enough or you're not quite fast enough or or you don't quite throw hard enough and and I just fed off of all that stuff I loved it you know where a lot of folks would get discouraged and probably turned off by it um, I say keep throwing it my way because I'm going to outwork you and like you said right when your teammates are out partying and drinking and hanging out and and having a good time I'm going to be out at the yard or I'm going to be out running or I'm going to be out throwing and and it'll yep. show up. It'll show up on game day. Yep, exactly. No, it's awesome. Awesome perspective. So you'd mentioned also kind of the horse side of it and training horses and stuff. What What was your first draw or what first interest you in working with horses? Oh shoot, man! I've grown up with my horse in my whole life. We've been involved with horses forever. My uncle, my uncle trains horses, and he lived just oh an hour away. So when I was 13 i was ready to start making my own money and uh wanted to go learn how to train horses and build saddles he, he built build saddles as well does a bunch of leather work so that summer i went up obviously we had our own horses at the house and stuff but i wanted to go learn how to train horses so i uh took off that summer and every summer there thereafter i'd go spend at my uncle's house um with my own clients my own horses learn, learning learning from one of the best horsemen in the entire world if you ask me how to train horses so um then it grew to wanting to want to own my own cows and have my own place and stuff so um and then i wanted to raise my own horses as well rain some cow horses and train some real horses and have my own horse sale eventually one day is my main goal so but yeah i got started with horses it i think the first picture of me riding a horse was probably when i was just a yearling somebody packing me around on one as a baby you know what i mean so that's awesome yeah i've grown up around horses and what have been what have been some of your takeaways as far as working with horses and life lessons? You know, what's your approach towards a horse? It's uh horses are just like human beings, man. There's uh they're all 
one in a million. Each horse is different. Um, each horse learns different, just like humans. Each horse responds to different things, just like humans. I've learned patience is a virtue when dealing with horses. Some horses learn in 15 minutes. Some horses takes 15 days to learn the exact same lesson. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. My uncle wrote a song once that said, uh, a horse will mend a broken heart. And I think that's true. I think, I think uh, horses hold a special, special place in people's hearts. There's just a connection that can be made there, um, unlike any other animal. Yeah, man, horses horses have been my whole life for forever. That's uh Yeah, I I, tr- I truly believe that as well. I mean, I had my own circumstances with my my career and and I was getting kind of overwhelmed with it and got back into horses. I had taken some years off cuz my family wasn't well off enough to do junior rodeo and then move on to rodeo and still do baseball and all the other stuff. So, I obviously chose baseball cuz I thought there'd be more opportunity there. And I did see a little success in it, but you know, once I started to see some adversity in my life and kind of get overwhelmed, I got back into horses just as, as something to get away, you know? Yeah. And when you really start paying attention to the animal, uh, for me, it started to develop my own self-awareness, right? On everything, yeah. right? How I conduct business, how I think about a situation or a scenario emotionally, right? Because when you're, when you're worked up and stressed out, at first I was just wondering why I was having bad days on the horse. And then you start to pay attention. It's your attitude that's affecting that horse. Yeah. You know, from there, you can start building on it and you start to build your, your self-awareness of your attitude and your perspective and your emotions. And I mean, the growth has been incredible. And even the advent of this podcast, right? I owe it to the horse. This ain't nothing that, that I could have done or ever I thought I would be doing, you know, but you get to start working with horses and start meeting other people and start seeing that there's, there's a common perspective amongst a lot of folks about the health benefits, right? Of being around horses. Definitely. You know, it's all good stuff. It's all valuable and applicable to life. So let's talk a little bit about, obviously, your motivation and your work ethic is a big deal, but let's talk about your faith a little bit. You know, we've had some previous conversations about it and, and how that affects your perspective in growing up. Yeah, I got to give all the credit to my mom and my grandma for planting the seed in me at a young age. Um, my grandma's a very spiritual person. Mom, always we always attended church on Sundays not every not every single Sunday but dang sure regularly so the seed was planted in me young through high school I went to youth groups on Wednesdays and growing up I went to like Awanas as a youth youth church and Chrysalis was like a three or four day um, spiritual adventure we'd go on and spiritual growth and I had um, I don't know if you heard the, of the ACs, Cannon AC and Caleb AC. They were real close neighbors of mine, and their mother uh, implemented a lot on me. Kim, she was a very, very spiritual woman. She she poured a lot into me growing up. It's funny how God puts people in your life at certain times to uh, to really to really grow that. Then I went to uh, so so I grew up a very spiritual guy, I guess. I mean, I was baptized when I was probably ten, and uh, gave my gave my heart to the Lord. But when I got into college, not my first year, my first year, I remained pretty good. But my second year, I, uh, I won rookie of the year that year. I was 19, but I didn't make the finals and I got kind of sour about that. And I came home or I was going to school in Vernon. So I picked a, as far away from home as I could pick to, uh, get away from home to go to college my first year. So I went to, uh, Vernon, Texas and had to make new friends and 
I, I needed to be down here so I could rodeo. So after my first year down there, I got talked into coming back to Casper, which was close to home. I got around a bunch of my buddies and peers and was started going down the wrong path, partying and wild and doing stupid crap I shouldn't be doing. And I hit rock bottom when I was, oh, probably 21 years old. I was sitting in the clink with uh, possession of marijuana charges against me. And, and I was a good kid growing up, man. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't, the worst I did was would chew an occasional dip of Copenhagen and was late on my curfews. Like I was pretty straight laced kid growing up and, uh, never, never had experienced any of that. My second year of college, I cut her loose and went wild and hit rock bottom. I was sitting there in jail. I remember specifically asking God to grab a hold of me again because I was heading down a path of destruction and uh, letting the rodeo life take me away and I wanted to to not to not do that anymore and I started turning my life around I was 20 oh two years old I met uh, met my wife now then and uh, I credit a lot of her to uh, changing me around um, I was ready to grow up I regave my life to the Lord and decided that no matter what there wasn't a rodeo or a day that was more important than asking him where to go first. And uh, so that would have been about four or five years ago, I guess. And my faith has grown more now in the last four or five years than I would have ever even imagined, man. I've been been very blessed along the way with great uh, spiritual mentors and people that I can look up to and learn from. And Chuck Swisher is one of them you've had on a show, Nick Morrison, Cannon AC. Dusty Tuckness, there's been a pile of people that have poured into me since then and uh, got me back on the straight and narrow. And I'd be the first one to tell you I'm not perfect by any means, but I dang sure believe that God's grace and mercy is all we need. And his forgiveness is more. I'm more grateful for his forgiveness now than I uh, than I ever thought I would be, man. It's uh, the man upstairs is an amazing man and everything I do now is for his glory. It's incredible to listen to, and I think there's a lot of parallels between baseball and rodeo. When people are chasing that that pro card or people are trying to get to the big leagues, right, it's the the hype of the fast life, life that draws a lot of people, right? They want the big money and the fast cars and the big trucks and the nice horses or, and the popularity and all that stuff. But and you've seen it and you describe it kind of in your testimony as well. It has a tendency to swallow folks up. Shoot, man, I was 20 years old. They threw $300,000 at me that year that I won as a 20-year-old and uh, was trying to keep up with all my idols. And I I didn't realize all my idols partied when I was 17. You know what I mean? I'd just seen them on TV. Yeah. And um, I thought all they did was work hard. And then I started rodeoing around them, and I seen how much beer they were drinking. I thought that's how you won more gold buckles. Yeah, that's how the business is conducted. So you throw $300,000 at a single 20-year-old and you it's it can be a dangerous game man and i went down the path of destruction for three years and i'm more than grateful that god grabbed a hold of me early instead of waiting until i was 35 and it and had uh pissed it all away yeah i know it's incredible to to think back a that that you had that turn in tide right and you didn't get so far yeah. down that road that that there was uh, i can't say a point of no redemption because you can always be redeemed in that however um Two or three years is not a lot in the grand scheme of life. And now in, in having a few guests on, you know, such as Chuck Swisher, and, and we spoke with Trey Johnson a few weeks back as well, who talk about, you know, kind of going down that that 
path of the fast life and then having that moment of clarity, realizing like, hey, this ain't going to cut it no more, or this ain't going to last too much longer, and reinvesting themselves in God and, and how the success, the professional success shows up not too, not too long after, right? And, and you yeah, talk about sure. rededicating yourself to, to the Lord within the last four or five years. Describe some of your rodeo success in that time. Oh, shoot, man. Yeah, I went from, so let's see, that would have been 2012 was the year I made my first finals, and that would have been at the tip of the iceberg when I just started going down the wrong path. But I was still still taking care of business. Um, I made made the finals that year. I ended up fourth in the world, won the Canadian finals, won a pickup, thought there had never going to be a broke day ever again in my life. I was third in the average at the finals, won a pile of money. The next year, I think I, I came back to the finals in 2013. I came back like seventh, made it to or made it to the finals in seventh place. Didn't win near as much. Didn't make the Canadian finals uh, to 2014. I slipped in there at 14th place. Didn't win a single dollar at the finals. Separated my shoulder. So I obviously in three years had went from winning. $200,000 at the finals to win in none. That was the year I hit rock bottom. And then the next spring, um, after I had rededicated myself, I, uh, I ended up uh, uh, fracturing my back, put me out for six months. So now here I was engaged to the wife I have now, thinking I could take care of a family and out of work. I couldn't work for six months. And that really tested my faith. We moved to Arizona so she could go to school. I was paying 1500 bucks a month for rent, trying to train some horses down there while I was rehabbing on rodeo. And that really taught me a lot of life lessons. I mean, there was times where I literally was on my knees crying because I had a paycheck or I had a, I had a rent check due for 1500 bucks, a hay bill due for nine head of horses for 500 bucks, all these bills. And I only had $800 in the account. And you probably know as well as anybody, as soon as you uh, get down and put your faith in God, he always provides. He, uh, he'll bring you to it, he'll bring you through it. So um, it really taught me how to start giving and tithing and uh, investing into a church. We got uh, um, settled down into a church we went to, attended regularly that we tied to, and miracles would happen every day. I'd be dirt broke and somebody come want to buy a horse, and I'd be dirt broke and somebody need a bunch of day work done so god always provided we never we never uh failed i guess by any of them means so i've uh i've sure sure really appreciated being a luke 15 story um luke 15 7 in the same way there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to god than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away so I sure appreciate those people at a young age and implementing my faith early so that when I did stray away, that God could find me and bring me back around. So then that came tenfold back around to 2016, probably having the best riding career that I've ever had. Um, I made the finals, ended up, I think, fourth in the world last year, third in the average. And then was, uh, oh, that would have been 16. And then uh, 17 as well, made another finals. But it was my my whole my whole outlook was different, man. I uh, 
I appreciated life better. I was rodeoing for different means. I wasn't, I didn't really care. I was more or less just having fun and trying to glorify God and use the platform to uh, spread his good news and, and show people be, that people had seen me go down the wild path for a while and I would come back a changed man. And I was willing to share my story and, and try to be the light that shined in a dark place. And there's obviously hard, hard times along the way, but with uh, the power of God, it'll, it'll always, it'll always help you provide. And when you put your trust and faith and strength, find your strength in him, uh, there's nothing you can't conquer. So uh, for the last three years, that's, that's what I tried to do was uh, be that light and that story in a dark place. And it's incredible. I'm, I'm always fascinated with leadership, right? And good and bad, right? Why, why unsuccessful leaders fall on their face and why good leaders step up and, and motivate folks. And I truly believe that leading by example carries way more weight than anybody blowing hot air, you know, about what they can do and who they are and how motivating for you and your industry to, to be that leader, to show folks, you know, hey, I have fallen on my face and, and folks that, that are close to you know why and how, and yet you were able to turn the script, you know, and hopefully one day that story and this testimony will get out to some folks who, who, who might be in the valleys right now. Yeah, and sure. and see your success, and see how much more rewarding life has been once you you had that change in perspective from from living the fast life and and being the rodeo stud to to giving it all to God, you know, because you're still seeing the same success that you were, you know, when you won the three hundred thousand at, at nineteen years old or whatever it was. But there's a void now that had been filled though that I never had before when I was chasing the rodeo life, stud life. Mm-hmm. I was never happy with myself. There was always, you know what I mean? It didn't matter. $300,000 doesn't make a guy happy. There's always a void that uh, only one thing can fill, and that's the spirit. You know what I mean? So um, as soon as I turned it all over, it didn't matter if I won $30 for the year. I was still happy, and I was. it was way more enjoyable than to me knowing that my main purpose was to – hold myself accountable and live this life that I promised God I would live that day. I was sitting in the clink to be the story to somebody that needed it to, to show somebody that you didn't have to live the fast life to, to be a successful rodeo guy. And it was the last three years have been way more enjoyable than any of my previous years, whether I won the same amount or not. It was, it, uh, that, that void had been filled and that, that happiness was found somewhere else. And that was been, that was a big turning point for me is when when I truly believed and realized that life is so much more fulfilling when you dedicate yourself to something bigger than you. Yeah. You know, and for me personally, a lot of it is is showing the the health benefits of horsemanship and working with horses. Uh, faith is a huge proponent of that. But I remember having a, a similar moment, man, when I was when I was down and out, I was sitting in the office thinking about, you know, what am I going to do with life, right? I got a lot of a lot of big things coming up that I need to provide for. And uh, how am I going to do it? Because where I'm at, I'm not happy with. And on the wall of this office is a lot of the awards and, and huge accomplishments that I had throughout my athletic career, my professional career. And I do remember sitting at that desk thinking, they're all just pieces of paper. Like none of it matters. You know, if I can't step it up and find myself right now, all these awards and all these successes don't mean a darn thing. Fortunately, God was able to provide me some opportunities and, and I was intelligent enough to see them as opportunities and, and capitalize on them. But the success that I've had in the last few years and working with horses and in the horse industry, I tell people there's no 
earthly explanation for it. None whatsoever. You know, it's only by the grace of God that I've been presented with these opportunities and and the podcast and the horsemanship and and everybody that I, I've been getting to know. I mean, I met some of the best people that I've I've ever met in my life in the last two years, three years, you know? Yeah. And that's what it is, just resetting the resetting the priorities in life. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and you give yourself to God and kinda of let him run the show and work as hard as you can with each and every day. Lo and behold, the the tide starts to turn slowly but surely. Yeah, I I hear you. Yeah, it's uh, and then when you get them, it's they're they're such huge blessings that when stuff starts rolling your way, you you see it and you appreciate it. I was yeah, 2015, we were sitting down in Arizona, broke, trying to day work for a living, shooting horses, scrounging up out of the bottom of the barrel, trying to make her work day to day. To the next time I want to check at a rodeo. You guarantee I fell down to my face and started thanking God. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You start appreciating the little blessings a heck of a lot more once you start realizing where they're coming from and, and who's actually giving them to you. And and when your hard work and your dedication starts paying off, you you, you dang sure dang sure appreciate where they come from a heck of a lot more. Exactly. Too. And, and I, I firmly believe that gratitude comes from Gratitude is fostered when when you have those moments of falling on your face, right? Yeah. Prior prior to your experience, you know, you'd be handed an equivalent amount of money, and it's just well, because Jr. did it, right? Because Jr. is this good, or or whatever the yeah. accomplishment was. But now Jr. worked this hard. Jr. did this. Jr. did that. Where that was that was God working, and He happened to let me win enough to uh, think I was good. When I realized I really wasn't that good, it was God preordained destiny that. Uh, I was taken for granted. No, it's it's incredible, man. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it. You know, what a what a great feeling to know that that he's on your side and he's on all of our side. And that's one of the biggest things I try to stress when when we start talking faith on this show is that it doesn't matter where you're at in life. Successful in the deepest of valleys, you know, you can always you can always take a step back and, and turn towards Christ and he's gonna be there for you no matter what. Yeah. And what an incredible blessing that is to have him in your corner. You know, no matter what the fight is in life. Exactly. So as you've progressed, obviously, through your rodeo career, you've seen a lot of success and, and you've had a lot of personal growth. And and in, in hearing your testimony and talking about your testimony, we can now start to see how all of your life's lessons, you know, have geared you up for the last five weeks, of your, four or five weeks of your life. So if you don't mind sharing with folks, I know we touched on it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but I'd like to start peeling back the layers and talking a little bit more detail. The events leading up, to your injury, you know, what you remember in the immediate night of, and then we'll, we'll talk about the growth and development and all the great things that you've been doing since. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, so this year I, I was, uh, on the bubble to making the finals and it was the last two weeks of rodeo season. I was sitting 14th. So usually the last couple of years previous to this, I've been sitting good enough where I didn't have to come down to these rodeos. There's this the the two weekends of, so our season starts October first and then September thirty first and uh, there's two week the the last two weekends in September there's the one weekend where there's like three or four smaller rodeos a guy can come to that if anybody's safe and isn't going to they usually don't come to it because then the last week's big there's there's four or five big rodeos that everybody goes to so me and one other traveling partner that were on the bubble came down to those three smaller rodeos or medium-sized rodeos, I guess, trying to hit a rip. And I had a, 
a newer horse of Frontiers at Pasadena and that he had just bought from somebody up north. Uh, he had actually never even seen the horse, just had heard that it was good, come from a guy that was had it at the night rodeo a bunch of times. Yeah, then the horse, so my wife was going is going to school to, to uh, be a teacher, and so she, we're pretty blessed. She gets to go with me very, very frequently throughout the year. Um, where a lot of guys, their wives are working or have kids at home and, uh, they have to stay home and take care of the place. Well, my wife has got to go with me the whole year until this last weekend. I just thought I'd fly down, fly back. So, um, she was at home. It's just me and a traveling partner, September 22nd, the horse last one of the weekend. We'd already been at two previous to this. The last horse of the weekend was circling around there to the left, doing fine, bucked back into the chutes. Uh, reared up and kind of like I've had a, a lot of horses flip on me before. I'm pretty horse savvy and uh, can feel the horse and usually can get out of the way. But the way this horse flipped, she flipped and kind of spring loaded on her hocks and pogoed straight in the air before she came over. So when she first reared up, I kind of sit up to feel which way she was going to go so I could get out of the way. And then she spring loaded and jumped straight in the air and came over. And I was just like a fish in the water, man. I couldn't move, couldn't get out of the way. And I just uh, caught her all on my shoulder blades. And immediately I felt my back break. I felt my legs go numb. Praise God. She got, when she got up, she, she rolled away from our, into my hand. So on the, I, I ride left-handed. So she got up and I was hanging off the left side. If she would have rolled over and got up the other way, it could have hung me up and literally could have killed me. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could have severed the spine, could have, you know, there could have been a lot of bad things that happened, but she, she rolled in. So I was hanging off the left side. My hand came out. She gut stopped me, put me in the most excruciating pain, but there was a split second there. People started rushing out to me and obviously the crowd's loud, the microphone's loud and you can hear a lot of stuff. And there was a split second there where I was totally in the zone in my own world. And I heard a voice. And it told me, it said, you can either accept that your back is broke, your legs don't work, your career's over and your life is ending, or you can accept me as the great healer, give everything to me, start praying in my name, and you'll get your legs back. And that's exactly what I did. I just, then it, real life came back. Everybody's running up to me asking how I was. And I was just screaming. I was just yelling. I said, I just need some prayer. I just need some prayer. People started laying their hands on me, praying over me. I swore I had crushed my ribs and they were worried I had internal bleeding by the time we got to the hospital I had nothing like my ribs still to this day kill me like they hurt still I don't know how I didn't have anything wrong inside of me literally not not a single broken rib not nothing the only thing was that I had a fractured t9 and t10 in uh, the middle of my back and uh, it had compressed my spinal cord leaving me um without any feeling from from my belly button down so i was in icu for three days they had to keep my blood pressure high to keep uh max blood flow to the spinal cord um because the spinal swell for three days and then every every day now has been uh getting better and better spinal cords de-swelling so they left me over at the hospital for a week and they moved me over to rehab the first October. So I've been crazy intense rehabbing for three weeks now, getting better and better every day. You want to talk about life changing, man? But I, I, uh, 
I mean, my life was changed in an instance. My whole life was changed in an instance, man, but I believe it was for the better. People ask why, why does God let bad things happen to good people? And I don't believe it was, was God who made it happen. The John 10, 10 says that, uh, the thief it comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I come to give a rich and satisfying life. So I believe that, uh, the uh, the enemy is who who created the bad thing to happen and Romans eight twenty eight going to happen something good's going to come out of it and uh, God's going to make something good come out of a out of a disaster. I've been extremely blessed. I have all my upper body, uh, my arm strength, um, core. I was in good shape before, so it's really helped me along the way thus far. Right now, I mean, being in this place, you're you see people that have neck breaks that have to reteach themselves how to eat they gotta they can't use their hands they can't there's people on breathing ventilators that have to have a machine to breathe so um, no matter how bad it is it can always be worse i know that's for sure and uh i've learned a lot of new life lessons here in the last month man it's uh been amazing and i know that god's going to use it all to to uh show people his power and i'm going to be a walking miracle here before too long for his glory and uh, turn non-believers into believers, and I'm sticking with that, man. I I believe I'm a miracle in the making, and uh, regardless of what happens, regardless of how much I get back, regardless of uh, what the next five years looks like, I know that uh, God's plan is bigger than I can even fathom, and I know that He's going to use it for for His glory, and I just uh, am going to keep striving and keep trying, and and let him be in control and 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 use the situation for his glory. It's absolutely incredible when you go through that timeline. I've I've watched the video right of the wreck and um, yeah, just as you described, right? I, I can see you trying to fish your way out of there when that horse is going up. And I thought to myself in watching that video, man, as soon as all four feet come off the ground and that horse is airborne, there is nowhere for you to go, nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, it was quick, man. She rolled out of there real quick and, and, and stepped on you and was on her way. And going through it, man, I, how do you have such clarity to, to receive such message? You know, that <laughs> circumstance yeah. and that crash, 99.9% of people, I mean, straight panic is going to overwhelm them, you know, and I'm sure there was some element of that in you, but, but to have that moment well, of clarity and receive breathe. that message... I couldn't breathe. Honestly, I, I, I was at a loss of breath. I had to call my wife. I couldn't even talk to my wife to tell her what happened to me because I couldn't catch my breath for they they run. I, I've never other than when I fractured my back in 2015. Um, I, I just had two compression fractures in T4 and 5 and broke a couple of transverse processes off. It required no surgery, uh, no nothing. I just had to take six months off. Um, so this is really my only injury other than that one. Uh, this was my first surgery of my life. Um, first time I'd been on any high powered pain medication like morphine, uh, any of that. They were running morphine through me and I couldn't, they couldn't get, get my pain under control. I overheard the nurse say every five minutes, it seemed like I would, I would say, I need, I need more. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't hardly focus. And, uh, I overheard the nurse say, I've run enough morphine through this kid to knock a horse out and I can't even get his pain under control. They gave me like six doses and they said, usually they only give one, maybe two. Yeah. And I was still full functioning. Like it didn't make me loopy. It didn't, 
nothing. It like finally they got me under control enough to stick me in the MRI tube for an hour, you know. Um, but yeah, to to be honest, I have no idea. I just I I literally I've I've had God talk to me before. I've been in you know I've asked which direction to go and and been had subtle little um tips on where to go maybe not always necessarily a voice or anything but this was so different and so real it's hard to explain you know what i mean oh, absolutely I literally couldn't hear anything else except for this reassuring voice and 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 the words are are word i swear every time i recite the words it was so real i can recite the, the exact words the exact same every time it's you can either accept that your back's broke, your um, legs don't work, your career's over and your life is ending, or you can give it all to me, accept me as the great healer, uh, start praying in my name, and you'll get your legs back. It was exact those exact words that I heard. And then, boom, reality was back, man. It was 10 seconds of my own world, and then then reality hit again. So I, I honestly, I have no idea. I, I don't know how... I stayed confident enough, but I guarantee you, as soon as I heard the voice, I was yelling, all I need is prayer, all I need is prayer, all I need is prayer, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's real, man, it's real. It was it was, it was, was that real, I can't, there's not a one ounce of BS, and I'm, and I'm a real person. I don't, I don't sugarcoat much, I don't stretch the truth, I don't, uh, maybe other than a fishing story, I might say my fish is a little bigger than, than it really was. But we've all committed I, that sin at one point, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, I, I wouldn't. I honest, honestly, I wouldn't. You can't make something up like that. You know what I mean? So people will say, "Yeah, right," but it's 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 true, man. It's one hundred percent honest. And I and I invite people. If folks listening are not convinced of the grace of God to this point. I talked to Chuck a couple weeks back after our interview, and you know he was mentioning, "Hey man, if you get a chance to talk to Jr., you, you should have Jr. on the show." And at that point, it was still kind of early on, and I said, "Hey, you know he's got some healing to do, but when he's ready, you know we'll reach out and we'll see what we can we, we can put together." And in having that conversation and 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 your recovery to that point, I told Chuck, I said, "There's very few times in a man's life where you." get to witness a miracle and have the wherewithal to understand what you're seeing, right? Yeah. Miracles happen every single day. Whether we're cognizant enough to see them or appreciate them is a different story. Exactly. But in watching your injury, watching your recovery, watching your faith, watching your dedication, your determination, your positive outlook, I told Chuck, I I really hope that folks get to understand that JR is a miracle on earth. Like he is the being, earthly being of a miracle. Yeah, man, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I know I'm going to be, and it's it's the been the most humbling situation I've ever been in my life because, like I said earlier, I've been the dirt bag rat party kid that didn't deserve any of this, and I've always didn't not not the wreck. I mean, I definitely deserve the wreck. You know what I mean? There's but the the blessings that have come from this, the people that have called me and say how big of an inspiration I am. And it's it's a very humbling experience because I'm just a pawn for God's work. And it isn't me. I couldn't do it on my own. I'm not a strong enough human being to be able to stay this positive. But but my God is. My God is greater than any problem I have. My God does see the problems that I have as 
things that are going to make me better. You know what I mean? What I see is as a problem, God sees as training. And I know that something good will come of it. And, and I always pictured it being the day that I walk. You know what I, you know what I mean? And I'll tell you right now, I am not, I'm so excited for the day that I get the phone call or the text message or the video when you take your first step off. And I truly believe that it, it, it's not too far in the future. I'm with you. I believe it too. And um, it's going to be epic because there's been an incredible amount of people already reaching out to me saying how God's work is already in the making and how God's already on the move and how God's already touching people just in the last month. And I'm more than humbled to be chosen and to be the pawn that God is using. And there's, it, it honestly puts me at a loss of words to even think that he would pick me to, to make such a big move. It's, it's incredible. No, it absolutely is. And just to think how one man's circumstance can positively impact so many, so many more, right? You're doing so much of your own soul searching and growing of your own faith and your own circumstance. But like you talk about, all the people reaching out to you and folks honestly getting the opportunity to watch God work. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. And it's going to be epic the day I walk, too, because then all them people are going to realize that I haven't been lying the whole time. You know what I mean? So. Oh, it's going to happen. I wholeheartedly yeah, believe that with all of my soul. I haven't had any doubt. Seriously, people say, how can you, how can you be so positive? And, and Jason, honestly, if, if I wouldn't have heard that voice, who knows where I would be mentally. Like, That's an awesome point. I didn't even think about that. It's, it's the truth. People say that. They're, how can you be so mentally? If you heard that voice, you wouldn't have any doubt either. That's how real it was. Like, <laughs> They say you're going to have up and down days. And yeah, there's little frustrations here or there. I mean, life's definitely different, but there hasn't been a bad day yet. I've seen nothing but little miracles every day that put a smile on my face. And, and I appreciate them. When you see your leg twitch and it puts a smile on your face, I never thought that that would mean so much to me. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. It's, it's been crazy. Like I'm, always, I'm a very positive person and I've always had the strong faith, but I seriously accredit all of my positivity and all of my how I act right now because of that voice, because of my God, because I have such an amazing God that promised me in the very first instant of the accident that I was going to be all right, regardless. And it's no different than the story of the three Hebrew kids that wouldn't worship the idol, Abednego, Shadrach, and whatever his other name is, when they walked into the fiery furnace and they'd come out and didn't even have a singed hair. And their response was, we don't, we're not going to worship your idol because we know that God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we know we're going to heaven or we know we're going to a place of eternity. And that's been my attitude, man. I swear to you that I'm going to walk. But even if I don't, I know that I'm going to heaven. And I know that God's got a plan for this and a plan for all of it. And something good is going to come out of it. So, I mean, some, some good is already coming good out stuff of it. Already yeah, come out of it. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly. And, and so we're, we're only four weeks in. Oh, it's it's incredible to see the progress in such a short amount of time. And for for people that don't know or haven't been following too closely, you know, I paid close enough attention to know that you were injured, pretty substantial injury, and you're recovering. However, 
I don't get caught up in a lot of the press. A, because I knew I was going to have the opportunity to talk to you in person. And B, sometimes the press can be less than reliable or honest, right? So let's talk about, if you don't mind, what was the initial diagnosis? What were they initially telling you? And where you're all the way to the point to where you're at today, because there's some amazing things that have happened in this last week since we last talked that statistically probably should not happen, right? If you go off, off medical research and data. Yeah. Um, so one thing I, uh, I've, had a, I've had a lot of people ask me, what, uh, what, what are they saying? What are the, what's the probability? What's the possibility? What, what are the doctors saying? And I can be 100% honest, I haven't asked because it doesn't matter, honestly, to me. I, uh, I know who the great healer is, and it's going to happen on his time, and the amount of recovery is going to come from him regardless of what a doctor tells me. But I can say right away, right after the accident, right after surgery, the, uh, the surgical team would come in every morning, and I asked them the first day, I said, well, how bad was it? And they said, it's bad. It's, it's, it's as bad as you possibly can. It's as bad as you possibly can get without actually severing your spinal cord. I said, okay, so what, what does that mean? And they said, you'll have a slight to slim chance of ever regaining any feeling or being able to walk again. And I put a huge smile on my face. And I said, well, that's good. That's all I needed is a slight or slim chance because um, I serve a great God and I will be healed. Yeah, and they you're about started, to watch this. They started laughing and they started smiling and they said, well, that's good because that's the attitude you're going to need to have to overcome it. And, and that's the last time I've asked. I haven't asked what percentage it is. I haven't asked anything because I don't need to know. Because at this point, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's going to happen on God's time. It's going to... I need to learn to trust the process, and I've learned to trust the process. Every morning I wake up, I try to wiggle my toes. They don't respond. I have my wife get me dressed, roll me out, put me in my wheelchair, and I get to work. I mean, it's it's seriously that's that's how it's been. I know I know God has a day, and I know God ultimately has has the end end results already already mapped out, and it doesn't matter on what their probabilities are. I think, man. Being in this place, they doctor. It should be a lot illegal for doctors to give you an actual probability of the outcomes. All they should be allowed to do is give you the facts. Because I've met some tier peers while I'm in here. They call them people that have been through the rehab, and um, they come back and share their story. And I've had, we've met three of them. For for instance, there was this girl here that at 11 years old she was in a bad ATV accident. Um, she uh, broke her neck. C two and C two, three and four, and uh, they put her in a medically induced coma for two weeks because they couldn't even uh, do the surgery because the swelling was so bad. So they put her in a coma for two weeks. They told her parents she wouldn't even make it out of the surgery that she wouldn't live through the surgery. Once they brought her out of the coma and put her through surgery. Uh, she was on a breathing ventilator and everything. They they left the ventilator in her, um, told her there's no way she'd ever walk or gain anything back again, gave her 1% chance of even making it through another year. And she couldn't even talk. She came out. She came over here for three months. She said when she got over here, her, her nerve pain was so bad 
that she could open her eyes and blink one for yes, two for no. And her, her nerve pain was so bad through her whole body. People would show up and um, they would touch her and it would hurt her so bad that it would make her cry. But they thought she was just sad. So people would rub her arms and and oh, no. and and, and uh, rub her legs and hug her. Trying to console her. She Yeah, trying to console her. And she couldn't even tell them to, it hurt like that hurt. And three months later, she said it just drove her. It drove her to 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 get better. Um, so three months later, she took her first step. Her, her and she was. They diagnosed her as a complete, as would never gain anything back. Uh, three months later, she took her first step. She re she moved to outpatient rehab where she rehabbed for five hours a day, uh, for five years, and she went on to end up playing college soccer. And has gained all her motor skills, all her motor functions, bowels, everything back. And they told her she would never even make it out of surgery. It's incredible. You know what I mean? Incredible. And that's not the only one. I had a buddy, Braxton Nielsen, a year ago, had a similar injury. He had a horse flip on him in the chutes. And he was just a slightly bit lower than me. He was T12 and L1. And they gave him a 1% chance to ever walk again. 13 months later, he got cleared by the doctor. 100% 100% healed to, uh, and he's been riding this, uh, bucking machine about to, is about to, uh, start, uh, riding bucking horses again. So it's all like, I don't think they should even be able to tell you a percentage because percentages don't mean nothing when, when, when God's, when here, God's you know? involved, all, all they should be able to do is tell you the facts. You, your spinal cord has been compressed. You, as of right now, can't fill your legs, but we have no idea what's going to come out of it because there's people that have proved us wrong time and time and time again. It's incredible. It's incredible. So you've actually had some successes over the last couple of weeks. If you don't, if you don't mind describing, you know, where you were at and where you're, where you were at and where you're at today. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, so right away they did a little bit of therapy over at the hospital. They'd sit me up on the edge of the bed. Um, the first, and try to work on balance. The first day, I was still over in the ICU. They sat me up for about 10 minutes and that was all I could handle. Like my core was so weak that I I couldn't even pick my arms up out of my lap, um, and reach out in front of me without losing my balance and stuff. So that was the first day. So they left me over there for eight days and I seen got little better by better every day my balance got better they got me in a chair they got me to where i could transfer myself this that, and the other thing i could lean back lean forward that sort of thing then they moved me over to rehab the first of october and it's been gung-ho ever since man they've been um they have these racks that i can stand in uh they put a strap in front of my knees that keep my knees from buckling and then they'll they'll all do like squats and try to try to, uh, you know, I can use my lower abs and drive my hips and try to make myself stand. Then they'll put a strap behind my hips to hold my hips in and work on balance without being able to. Now I can stand for well over, I could probably stand for two hours. I think my longest has been like an hour and 20 minutes before we ran out of time. Um, I can balance. I can sit and balance. I can take a, a medicine ball out in front of me. Um, and all these, none of these, like the very first time I ever tried them were complete failures. So all this stuff I'm telling you now has been, it's all been gotten better over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
and as of recently, I so I can feel I right away I couldn't feel anything below my belly button. Um, now I can feel between my belly button and oh high hip, I guess I can feel pressure. I can't yet tell the difference of a pin prick or nothing, but I can feel when you touch and apply pressure below my belly button. My lower abs would never flex, and now I can flex all my abs. I can feel all of my core working. Um, they did a strength test the other day, so they hooked me up to these bikes that pedal for you, and they'll set them, say, on 35 reps per minute in second gear. My goal last week was to hit 60, so they'll set it on 35 and in second gear, and I can get the RPMs, reps per minute, to jump up. I think I hit 63 the other day and jumped it up to, like, eighth gear or something. So all, oh, that, Jesus. all that power was coming from somewhere. I couldn't feel it in my feet, but I could – I would focus and get my core into it and, like, push with my hips, and I could jump – yeah, I could jump the reps per minute up. And then if I just sit there and don't do anything, it'll slow slow back down and it, that sort of thing. So – yeah, this next week I got to try to hit 70 um, on that bike. So then they did a strength test at the end of the week and laid me on my back and said to wiggle my toes, and I didn't have any response yet. Said to push the gas pedal, no response yet. And then they bent my knees to me just a bit and laid them on the side and told me to bring my knees to my chest. And as I would try, I could get my knees to move just, say, even just an inch slightly closer to my chest and that was huge i mean we're still celebrating that oh absolutely man that's a huge huge victory um yeah it was it was amazing so then they uh got me into uh the pool which is an extra hour of therapy a day and today has been would have been my fifth or sixth day in the pool and i literally could pick a foot they had me sitting in the deep end she's about five feet and they have a rail around the whole thing and i could hold myself up and i literally could pick one foot up at a time or i could pick both feet up and almost start taking steps in the pool it's all coming from my lower abs and my hips and my core and my groin and uh, those muscles like my knee i still can't my knees still buckle so my my thighs and my hamstrings, I still need to get flexing, but slowly but surely, day by day, I'm getting better. I mean, honestly, those those are already miracles that are just reassuring to a guy that something big is going to happen, and it isn't all just a fluke, man. It's incredible to hear, man, especially where all, all this started, you know, after that horse landed on you and where yeah. you are to this day. What is it, four weeks? Been four weeks, five weeks maybe? Yeah, just short of. The 22nd will be a month. Yeah. God, that's, that's, uh, you've made quick work of your recovery. How about that? Yeah, it's been, I, I mean, I, I, I honestly haven't, I, I wouldn't even know. I just, I'm going off of, I keep in contact with uh, my buddy Braxton and see where he was at this time. Um, and there's another buddy that he, Stuart, the stock contractor of that horse got me in touch with that got in a horse wreck. That was same prognosis. Uh, couldn't feel from his belly button down. And now he's, working his ranch. He said, I'm going to send you a picture of yesterday. 
and I'm going to send you a picture from a year ago. And a year ago, he was in his wheelchair at the rehab center. And the picture from yesterday was he was uh, weaning calves at his house, spent 12 hours horseback, and he got his bowels back and everything. Um, bowels and bladder, everything were in control. And they, they diagnosed him as complete, would never be able to walk, talk, nothing ever again either. So, um, or wouldn't be able to walk or feel or uh, be able to take a leak on his own or anything. So um, I know just from them to I've kind of based uh, my progress around theirs and uh, try to keep striving to uh, to uh, to beat them guys just because I'm a competitive guy. Yeah, I was going to say that type A is going to start showing through. <laughs> and uh, I feel like I'm behind, to be honest. You know what I mean? I feel like like they, they were one step ahead of me. So I keep trying to push myself every day to be better. And uh, those little miracles along the way keep a guy striving to 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 dig deeper and to keep working harder um for sure so yeah but to look back at it i've come a long ways in four weeks man it's been it's been i couldn't even pick i couldn't pick a hand up out of my lap when it the day after it first happened and now the other day i was standing up roping the dummy could pick a heel up off the ground I mean, that stuff's all huge, man. It's, and it's incredible listening to you describe it, right? What a huge example of faith, right? When you look at the grand scheme of things and the grand scheme of life or any problem or challenge or whatever, right? When you, when you look at your starting point and your end goal, oftentimes things can become very, very overwhelming. But like you described, right? You wake up, you get dressed, you get out of bed, you get to work, right? If you take, take that huge problem and just work as hard as you can every day, and as you've described, have faith in the process. I mean, these successes are coming at, at a rate that they sh- probably should have never even shown up, you know, based on what yeah. the doctors were first saying, given your exactly. injury. Exactly. It's absolutely incredible. It is. Uh, I mean, and I don't know why we all find it so amazing. Like, so one of my deals that I've been doing lately is uh, find, I've, been, I've been doing, like, looking through all the miracles in the gospel and writing down um, every miracle that happened where Jesus said, by faith you are healed, or because of your faith this happened, or because you believed this miracle happened. And there's numerous, 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 numerous accounts where a miracle happened, and it was because they believed, and it was because they had faith. And so when all these things happen, we're all so in shock and so in awe and so amazed by them and I don't know why, because if we honestly say that we believe and have faith in the God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ himself, I don't know why it's so amazing to us, but it dang sure is to me, man. It, it's amazing the power that he has and what he truly can accomplish and how we can't even fathom the slightest amount of what that man up there can do. I'll tell you what, I, I'm just as guilty as the next man in the amazement of watching your process. And here's my two cents on it. You talk about why, why are we so shocked by it, right? Why are we surprised? And I tell people, faith is a very, very simple concept, right? Very simple concept. However, to execute it, to truly execute it and believe it, we're not very good at at all, right? Because how many times does anybody go through a day with anxiety or worry yeah. or doubt, yeah. right? All oh, of those. I'm just, as, I'm just as guilty as the next guy. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? Even before the action, I, I, there's, you worry about little life. You worry about things on the ranch. You worry about cattle prices and whether a horse is going to sell or not and whether you're going to be able to pay the bills. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know? 
And those are all contentions of faith, right? They're all things that suppress faith. And and here's where I've grown in my faith in in our conversations and watching your process. We understand faith. We understand God. We we all believe in it. We don't believe in it to agree that we should. But watching your process, it allows human beings to physically see with their eyes what's been written in the Bible for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and now when you get to put your own two eyes on it, it puts a whole different perspective on it whole different perspective on it. And it's truly helped me in my faith. And I got, I will, till the day I leave this earth, I will have a long way to go in becoming a better Christian and a better man of God. But uh, you stepped the game up a little bit there, bud. Well, it stepped my own up. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm just as guilty as the next guy. And I've, I've claimed to be a faithful man and put my faith in God. But this last month has grown my faith more than anything. And one one verse that has really stuck with me since the very beginning, since I woke up out of surgery, I don't know why. I I had two 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 things come to mind. And one was when uh they uh lowered the man down into the the four the four guys that there was Jesus was teaching a message and he had uh um the crowd was so big and the guys had a paralyzed man and they had to go dig through the roof and lower him through the, through the, uh, through the roof. And he said, your, your, uh, sins have been forgiven. Now grab your mat and walk. And that came to me right away. And, and, uh, the other one was James one, two and three. And where it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And those have just been huge that when you face a trouble of any kind, it's easier said than done. But we are called to consider it an opportunity for great joy to to. And and I've really, really learned that these last few days or these last few weeks, man, that when your legs don't work and you're stuck in a wheelchair and you wheel down to the gym and you think that you got it bad off. And as soon as I roll into the gym, I see somebody strapped up to a walking machine my my heart just fills with joy and i just get a perma smile on my face and i can't help myself but just watch and smile as somebody takes four five six steps as somebody walks around the gym in a walker as somebody gets hooked up to the robot for the first time and gets to take those first few steps because there's just so many joys to be found in troubles and that's one of the last things that normal brain things to do is find the joy and find the joy in the trouble and 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 realize that when your faith is tested you it it's it gives us an opportunity to grow our faith and let our faith become stronger and just like we've said let 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 our faith be stronger and be be up and let the game be up because we're in a trouble and when you give your faith and trust to god all it does is build your faith you know what i mean so I absolutely believe, Jr., that you've uh, you've definitely upped the ante on that. You're making believers out of folks, and if they aren't believers now, after hearing your testimony and seeing your progress, and good luck, right? That's all. Yeah. I, that's all I can yeah. wish for them. Good luck. Yeah, I, I say that I, with the utmost respect. Yeah, I, I did my job, man. I shared my story, and the rest is up. To, the rest is up to God to grab their souls. So I was going to say, if, if they if ain't I sold by now, sorry. <laughs> If I can't help t- change your mind and and the the little story that I have, then then 
my story obviously ain't good enough. You got to hear somebody else's. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know who else can step up and, yeah. and top this, but <laughs> but we wish him luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff, man. So with a lot of your peers there at uh, Tier Memorial, you guys get a lot of chance to interact. You've been working out with folks, uh, preaching with folks. Uh, yeah, man. I uh, Every day the gym's full and I've always been an encourager my whole life. So it, it hasn't stopped here. God's using me right here. I'm not kidding you. I I go in the gym and I see somebody starting to walk and I just, I get pumped up and it pumps me up and I wheel over there and I get in their ear and pump them up and you can just see their day get brightened as they dig deep to take another step. And um, there's, they have little community dinings that we attend and um, bring people to share their story and um, yeah, we've got to interact a lot, man. And I believe God's working right here as well. I would say it's incredible to grow your own little community and your own little family there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really fun, man. It's exciting. It's great, great stuff. Well, JR, we've definitely covered some ground in this interview to say the least. I truly feel blessed to have the opportunity to hear your testimony and learn from you. No, shoot. I'm the one that's blessed that gets to share it. I mean, on such a huge scheme, man, I, it's a blessing for me to share my story. I, that's, that's why I have a story to be honest with you is to share. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to get it out there to the public, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, um, I'll tell you what, my faith has definitely grown. Uh, you've motivated me to get my nose back in the book and, and, and peel back the layers and, and learn it on a different level. I guarantee if folks aren't convinced now, like I said before, that there, there's probably not much in helping them. And hopefully we wish them the best one day figuring it all out. So what I like to do towards the end of these interviews is, is give you the opportunity to let people know where to find you, where to support you, where to, where to, to follow your progress. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have much of a social media deal. All I have is Instagram, and it's just my name, J.R. Vizain, V-E-Z-A-I-N. Um, my wife um, has a Facebook that she posts on. And her name is Shelby Vizane. Um, I guess that's about all I know. Other than that, call me. Keep it short and sweet, right? <laughs> I love it. I also like to give guests a, a final, you know, parting words or a final message if, if you so choose. Oh, shoot. I, uh, I guess if there's any, any last thing I'd like to say would be uh, trust God with all your might and when in doubt, spur your way out. Um, that's kind of been get it done. My life lesson, and and what I always tell everybody is, when in doubt, spur your way out. You got to dig deep and uh, keep striving to be better than you were yesterday. Jr. God bless you, man. Yes, sir. Thank I'm you. Truly, truly grateful for your time. Oh shoot, it's my pleasure, man. Will you keep after it? And I'm sure we'll talk down the road because we're excited to hear where this goes. Yeah, this won't be the only one. We'll uh, we'll have update recap here whenever you want, and uh, hopefully next time you talk to me, I'm walking. Yes, sir. All right, JR. Well, thank you very much for your time. You have a good one. Yes, sir. Take her easy. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.